everyone, it's Tyler here, your favorite character of all of them, obviously. So my first week recording the intro, and I just wanted to let you guys know this week is a little bit different. Uh, we have a special episode for you um, where Philip is going to give you guys some backstory. So it'll be a little bit different this week, a little bit shorter, but it should be still amazing because Phil is quite good at that stuff. So I'll be excited for that. But next week we'll be back in full swing um, with a super extra long episode for you guys. So be excited. We've recorded it and it's amazing. So I'm excited for what's coming next. Um, happy holidays to everyone out there and Merry Christmas. And we hope you guys enjoy the end of your year. And we're excited to get back into the full swing next year. And we will see you guys later. Once upon a time, on the plains in the far north, a place known as the land of the Lenorm Kings, there was a small village called Stag's Hollow, and in that village there lived a farmer and his wife. The farmer was a goodly man, and his wife even more so. But fate had been unkind to them. In the spring, when the wife was taking the cart to trade their harvest for goods in town, a snake frightened their horse who threw the good woman from the cart. Though she lived, she could never walk again, nor could she bear any children as she and the farmer had always dreamed. But through it all, they had love for each other and faith in their god Erastiel, the god of farming and family. They prayed that somehow their faith could be rewarded with children. And so it happened on a day when the farmer took his wife into town to pray at the parish of Erastiel that their prayer was answered. Elder Dalric of the parish, a kindly old father who knew the farmer and his wife well, had a private matter to discuss with them. Mile, you remember when I asked you to lay some poison for the rats we believed were breaking into the storehouse? I, I, uh... Meant to get it to you today, but I haven't yet had occasion to get supplies for Serena to make it. I appreciate your willingness to serve, but it seems that won't be necessary. Elder Dalric opened the doors to his bedchambers, where two very small children dressed in rags were playing a hand-slapping game. They stopped immediately when Dalric and Mile entered and cowered beside each other. It's all right, my children. This is the good farmer I was telling you about. The elder had discovered a pair of lost children, a brother and a sister, who had been sneaking into the storehouse for the poor and taking bread. And what children they were. They were far smaller than any children the farmer had ever seen. They both only reached his knee. Halflings. How did they come to be this far north alone? I'm afraid I don't know. And neither do they. They barely speak except to each other. I caught them last night after the boy fell from the top shelf. They were both crying when I found them. Naturally, I've given them sanctuary, but I remembered you and Serena. <laughs> it was a miracle to both the farmer and his wife. Just as fate had forbidden them to have children of their own, Erastiel, in his infinite mercy and grace, had blessed them with two who would be their children to love and hold forever. For halflings are small all their days, even when they have grown. And so it was that the farmer and his wife raised the two halfling children as their own. The boy they named Mingal, 
and the girl they named Mitra. Min and Mit they called them, and Min and Mit loved their new family. From their father they learned how to till the field and grow their food. From their mother they learned the secrets of herbs and medicines, and how to cook and sew. And together their mother and father taught them the virtues of kindness and honesty, and faith in Erastiel, who was the author of such things. One evening in the little farmhouse, Sharina read to the children from the parables of Erastiel, while Mael sat by the fire with his pipe. Min and Mit sat on the floor. The first gift you ever receive is your family, she read. A man grows from the seeds his parents plant. Mama, said Min, can the gods really do anything? Yes, of course, Min. And Erastiel is good, right? What questions you ask, silly boy? Yes, of course he is. Min grew silent and looked at the floor. Mael took his pipe out of his mouth. Mint, what is your brother really asking? He wants to know why Erastia let Mama hurt her legs, Mint replied. The farmer and his wife shared a look of concern. Well, the gods work in mysterious ways, son. You see, when your mother and I learned we couldn't have children, that was the moment when good Erastiel sent you and your sister to us. He knew you needed someone to take care of you, and that we had more than enough love to give. Then why won't he heal Mama's legs now? Sharina sighed. Come here, both of you. How was I blessed with such good children who worry about their mother so? The truth is, Min, Erastiel doesn't need to give me my legs back, because I don't need them. He let me keep my hands so that I could do my work, and hold my children. He let me keep my voice so that I could read to you, sing to you, and tell you how much I love you. And he gave me your father, and the two of you to take care of everything else. To ask for more than I've been blessed with would be selfish. Then when I grow up, I'm going to be a priest like Elder Dalric and help people like Arastil wants me to. It makes your mother and I proud to hear that, son. But then who will help me with the farm? I will, Papa. I'm already stronger than Min. That's not true. <laughs> yes, the gods are good. But they were about to learn that men are not. They came swiftly, bringing with them fire and steel. Before that night, the town had little to fear from bandits, and their own militia, of which the farmer was a brave member, had little trouble fending them off. But this was a horde from the north, driven from their past hunting grounds by a newly crowned Lenorm king. Mad with hunger and greed, they fell on the town without mercy. What they didn't steal, they burned, and the good farmer was among the first to fall, struck down by a bandit's axe. Their little farmhouse caught fire in the attack. Mama, <coughs> I can't breathe. I'm scared. Get close to me. The bandits claimed his father. The fire claimed his mother. And the smoke claimed his sister. When the flames and the screams finally died away, Min was the only one left. In the ashes of the house, he tried in vain to rouse his mother and sister. Mama? Mama, they're gone. Mama, wake up. 
I know you're teasing me because you're smiling. Wake up. Mitt? 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 With tears and ash streaking his face, Min searched the town for survivors. But there were none. Hello? Is anybody there? Mama and Mitt need help. They won't wake up. Who knows how long it took the child to put himself back together long enough to return to the road in search of help. He lost track of the days he traveled, how many wagons he stowed away in the back of, and how long on foot he was forced to survive on that long and lonely journey to Magnamar, a city in Verisha far to the south of his homeland. When at last he felt the latest wagon he'd hidden in come to a stop, he peeked outside and saw what surely must be an answer to his prayers. It was a cathedral to Abadar. He had heard of this god, that he was good and just like Arastiel. His cathedral was grand and beautiful, so different from the parish he had grown up near, but surely he could help. Unfortunately, Min was unwise to the ways of the world outside of his village. What little he knew landed him in more trouble than he was prepared for, and ran him afoul of a captain of the city's watch, an uncompromising paladin of Abadar named Semelis Dives. Though he was sworn to serve the church for the common good of the people, he cared little for the plights of lawbreakers, no matter how desperate their story. Please, let me through. I have to see the Holy Father. I need his help. I can pay. I brought diamonds. Liar! The jeweler you robbed reported your theft, halfling. You stole those diamonds. I had a good reason. You have to believe me. There is never a good reason for sin. And there is no room for thieves in this city. As the paladin readied to strike him again, Min called out desperately to the cardinal's carriage as it went past. Holy Father! Holy Father, help me, please! The carriage stopped and the cardinal stepped out to the gasps and admiration of the gathered crowd. He was so different from the kindly elder Dalric from Min's village. He was clean-shaven and wrapped in a finely woven robe of silk inlaid with gold thread and other finery. He wore three rings on his finger and a grand gem on a long golden chain around his neck. He looked more like a king than a priest. But he smiled down at Min, so Min smiled back. Surely he could turn to this servant of the gods for help. Your grace, forgive me. I was just dealing with a thief. There is no need to concern yourself. The cardinal held up one hand to silence the paladin and stood before Min, looking down on him with a kindly smile. Why do you call out to me, my son? Min scooped up the diamonds and held them out to him. Holy Father, my family, my whole village was burned to the ground by bandits. I'm the only one who made it out alive. You have to help me, please. I heard priests could use diamonds to ask the gods to bring back the dead. You're a servant of Abadar. He dumped the diamonds from the pouch into his small hands and held them out to the cardinal. Please, ask him to bring my family back. The cardinal said nothing at first, just shook his head and sighed in the same way his father used to when he and his sister would get into mischief 
Finally, he spoke. My son, the great Abadar doesn't want your filthy stolen gems. His smile turned to a look of disgust as he slapped the diamonds out of Min's hands. Min, too shocked to move, watched them fall to the ground in disbelief. The cardinal turned back to Captain Dives. I believe my duties are to minister to the righteous. As I recall, Captain, it is your duty to punish the wicked. The two are like earth and water. The moment we allow them to mix, they become as mud. Yes, Your Grace. I leave this matter in your hands. Don't let it happen again. And with that, he departed back to his carriage, donning the facade of the kindly preacher once he was back in the public's view. Captain Dives rounded furiously on Min and backhanded him so hard he fell to the ground. Scum! How dare you humiliate his holiness by making him descend to your putrid level! You actually had the audacity to make him speak to you! He stomped once more on Min before turning to the guards. You! I have further security detail to attend to for his holiness. You take care of this halfling trash. See to it he knows the seriousness of his transgression. As the paladin left, one of the guards took hold of both of Min's hands and forced him to his feet. Slowly, they started forcing him toward a back alley. Come here, you. If you think we're going to let a pipsqueak like you make fools of us, you have another thing coming. If a captain has our wages cut for this screw-up, we're going to have to take it out of your little hide. Now leave me alone! Not chance. You're not going anywhere till we've had our fun. Through all the torment, the beatings, the cruelty, the same thing played over and over in young men's mind. It was the face of the cardinal, the disgust with which he looked down on him. And over and over the gems fell to the ground each one in his mind a member of his family, a kind face from his village, trampled into the dirt, never to rise again. As night fell, Min emerged alone from the alley. Bruised and bloody, his clothes torn nearly to shreds. He fell on his face in the street as people hurried about their business, paying him not a second thought. The long night passed, the days crawled on, and with nowhere to go, young Min was forced to beg in the street. But the rest of the city seemed nearly as cruel as the guards. He could barely manage to scrap together enough for a crust of bread that would never last. It wasn't until a miserable week in the city had dragged by that Min met the stranger in black. Halfling trash, said a townsman as he kicked Min and continued walking. Beggars like you should get a job and stop bothering honest people like me. Min picked himself up and straightened his basket of meager coppers and began to cry into his knees. He heard a clink as a gold coin fell into his basket. He looked up in disbelief from the gold coin. Standing in front of him was a pair of black boots. That was a very cruel thing to do. The stranger was dressed all in black, but had a pale face with crooked teeth and cold blue eyes that looked shadowed over. He had long hair the color of dirt that fell below his shoulders. The stranger wasn't dirty like a beggar, but wasn't particularly clean either. 
that made young men think of his father, the way the earth would cling to him after a day of hard work in the field. But even though the stranger smiled at men with his crooked teeth, there was no warmth in it. No, this stranger was not like his father at all. Something about him felt very wrong to men, told him he should be afraid. Don't be afraid. You looked hungry was all. The stranger reached into his coat and pulled out a hot loaf of fresh bread. Min studied the bread warily at first, but hunger eventually won out. He accepted the bread and devoured it greedily. The stranger knelt down in front of Min. There, now we're friends. So tell me, friend, what brings you to this miserable state? He knew he shouldn't, but this was the only kindness Min had received since coming to this wretched city, even if it was in the form of someone frightening. And so he fell upon the stranger and cried. As he cried, the whole tragic story came tumbling out with his tears. <laughs> I thought the gods could help me. Oh, they can. They just don't. And neither do any of the vermin who work for them. The only thing they ever try to share is faith. <laughs> what do you mean? Faith is just something the gods give out to make us think we're happy. But they don't make us happy. No, there's only one thing we need. Then we can make ourselves happy. What's that? The stranger whispered in Min's ears. Magic. It's all around us. And when we give into it, learn how to touch it, we can have whatever we want. The only thing I want is my family. I can't be happy without them. And how do you plan to get them back? I tried to ask the priest but he won't help me. Of course not. Why would he share his power with you? No, you need to get your own if you want to see them again. How? The stranger smiled darkly. Outside the city on a hill, there is a graveyard. Go to it when the moon is twain. Cast a handful of sand widdershins in a circle around you. Cast your own blood into the circle and say the words of power. Then will you call to yourself one with answers. The stranger taught Min all that he needed to know, then took his leave of the young halfling. On the night when the moon was half in darkness, he did as the stranger had told him. He used the sand and his blood and chanted the words he'd been taught. Nothing happened. Still, Min danced in that circle beneath the moon and chanted those words. Chanted them so hard he made his little voice crack. At last, the moon shone directly on that hill of the dead. A fierce wind kicked up then, piercing Min with its cold. Thunder cracked and lightning flashed, blinding the halfling till he fell to his knees. When he looked up, a dark shape perched on the rock before him. It was an owl, staring calmly down at him with its yellow eyes. Are, 
Are you the one with answers? The owl's voice was heard, but its beak did not move. I am life. I am death. I am the river that flows forward without end, yet I am the end of all that lives. I am time. Time? Why? Why are you here? It is your wish that has called me to this place in this form. Time. Yes. That's what I want. That's my real wish. I want to go back in time and save my family. Save everyone who died. Then you must become a vessel of time and magic. You will learn magic from the flow of time. Life and death will be your gift, your burden, your power. Is this truly your wish? Yes. Whatever it takes, I want them back. I want to save everyone. The owl spread its wings and a flash of light grew between them. Min shielded his eyes. From inside the light, a girl's laugh was heard. Mitra? Mit, is that you? Min looked into the light and could see his sister staring back at him, smiling. She is the face of your wish. All that you desire given form from the past. To begin your journey, you must take her into you. Carry her within your soul until that day when you reach the height of your power. My sister. He stepped toward the light and held his arms wide. Mitt, come with me. Let's get our family back. The image of Mitt jumped down to him, and they threw their arms around each other. The owl screeched, and the graveyard was enveloped in light. When that light cleared, Min was alone on the hill with the owl once more. He looked at himself and found that his hair had grown long and soft, much like his sister's had been. He could feel her there within him. The owl spread its wings once more and said, In the moonlight of this night, a wish is made and a bargain struck. You stand now a vessel of magic, and time shall be your tool and your master. I, your familiar, acknowledge you as a witch, and time shall be your patron. Min looked down at his hands, then placed them over his heart. Mitt, I'll fix it. I'll save our family. And then, I'll make it so we're a family forever. We'll stay with Mama and Papa, and we'll never have to grow up. <laughs>